Well, hello, friends, and welcome to the 360 Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Brahim, and uh, I'm really appreciative of you joining me today for my conversation with Renee Rodriguez. Now, Renee Rodriguez has uh, been a teacher in the mortgage industry now for well over a decade, and his prominence has grown over the course of time rather significantly. He is a best-selling author of Amplify Your Influence. He is a keynote speaker within the industry, and his Amplify workshops have been getting rave reviews from uh, many of my friends and clients who have attended them. Uh, they have found that they've had some real breakthroughs in their ability to communicate, which is a topic that Renee and I definitely will be talking Talking about in our conversation today because the art of communication and presenting is so critical in today's market and there are a lot of suggestions that he and I will make in our conversation. We're also going to explore mindset, psychology, um, and how to influence people um, in, a, in a positive and ethical way, of course. So before I get to my conversation with Renee, what I want to remind you of is that we would love it if you subscribe to the show and forwarded it to anybody that you think would find it to be valuable. We are looking to grow our subscribership base so I can get more amazing guests like Renee on the show. And the more subscribers we have, the easier it is. Um, additionally, what I'll say is that if you're watching this on YouTube and you wouldn't mind commenting and liking the, um, the episode, if you do like it, of course, that would be wonderful. Uh, lastly is in the show notes, whatever channel you're watching this on is a link to the downloads of the post podcast coaching sessions that I've done for all of the episodes. So you can find them there and we encourage you to go check that out because I think there's more value there for you as well. And without further ado, my conversation with Renee. It's been a really long time, man. And it's nice to see you and thank you for being here. And uh, I guess we should just start off by talking about our favorite scene from Pulp Fiction, shouldn't we? this watch this watch yeah uncomfortable hunk of metal yes for those that are listening that are familiar with the film you know what scene we're talking about and if for those of you that are not you should go watch it and we won't go any further because we want this to be pg-13 so um hey you know let me just first start by congratulating you you know i this is really fun for me in the sense that we go way back and just to give everybody a, a perspective, so many, many years ago now, 16, 17 years ago, Eric Mitchell was nice enough to introduce me to you. And my partner in Lone Toolbox, Rich Katz and I, decided that we were gonna bring you in and have you do a full day, you know, like off-site retreat with our company. And you did some amazing work with us and got us more deeply connected as a company. And then, you know, like there's stuff in between, of course, you know, as we got to know each other better, but then, then like fast forward to now. And, and that I think it's really neat that there's been this huge gap in, in our connection in the sense that it gives me an opportunity to just almost get to know you all over again and to congratulate mm -hmm. you because, you know, you've really, evolved brother and i'm so happy for you i mean you're you're an author you're a, a, a wonderful speaker so many of my clients have um shared you know really great things about your amplify events um so congratulations on your evolution and i'm just really excited to 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 just get to know each other again in this conversation uh, i am too man and and <clears throat> i'll never forget the conversations that we had after that event and you 
well, one, we're the first person to truly give me a big stage. And so that is one of those, like, you never forget the people that believed in you way back then. Eric was the one that had this big vision. He knew to put me in front of you and you immediately saw there was something there, which was something I'm forever grateful for. I mean, that I still have all those videos. I still have every single one of those things and, and what we created. But, you know, you were also so far ahead of your time in how you thought about things. And you were saying back then, I remember you're like wiping tears, you're like, dude, I'm so going to monetize you, man. We're going to monetize this. <laughs> and I'm like, what does monetize mean? That's so cool. I like the sound of that. But uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty special. How old were you then? 30 maybe i mean well, i'm 47 okay so you're now. about 30 yeah that's probably about 17 years ago yeah 29 30 years old probably yeah. yeah it was that was a long long time ago i'm getting old man i'm getting really old well you're not catching up to me that's good news i'm keeping pace with you <laughs> well you, you still look the same as you did back then maybe a little gray here but yeah still look the same all right well let's let's kind of play around here and let's dive in you know like i i didn't prep too much for this. I tend to not do so, especially for you, because I think that we'll certainly talk about, you know, influence and presenting skills and um, selling and those types of things. But I also want to definitely go to the topics mm -hmm. that um, I guess a little background. So at that time, if we wind back to 17 years ago, you were introducing some topics that were like neuroscience based and psychological based. And this was pre me going to get my master's degree in spiritual psychology, which I then did later. But I always had this affinity and interest in this type of content. And so I want to make sure we spend some time there. Brain chemistry, the hormones of stress, Absolutely. how that affects our our emotions and, and the way that we behave, et cetera. But let's just start <clears> with <throat> influence. Uh, it strikes me that influence is something that you have spent a lot of time thinking about a lot of time teaching um what is the what's the key to influence if you could summarize that you know so my, my approach to influence is, is a little different than you know because you, you think about one typically the concept of influence is about this offensive strategy from me to you of how do i persuade you to do something which is a big part of it i mean it's not that it's not a part of it but it's it's a limiting piece of it there's a deeper side of influence that that I think transcends all of it. And, you know, think, and I always say, think about the opposite of influence. Cause the, you know, if I get philosophical, I, I like to think about things from their opposite to truly understand them. And <clears throat> it's also a way for me to appreciate something. Like just take it away. And what's life look like? So if you take away influence, I walk in a room and no one notices. I tell a joke, no one laughs. I sell a product and no one buys. I share an idea. No one cares. I cast a vision and no one follows. What's the feeling that follows that? If you kind of play that out, if I were to say, what would you, what, what words would you put to that? Mm. You feel defeated. You feel defeated. alone. You feel mm. unseen. You feel rejected. Um, I'll, I'll stop there, but I could go on further. Yeah. I mean, those are perfect words. And some people might even say they feel insignificant, mm -hmm. like the truest definition, like, I am trying to be a cause to the world. I want to be a cause to an effect and my cause has no effect. Therefore I have no impact. And so then the questions begin. If you were in a meeting that you felt like you had no impact or no significance, your next thought would be, why am I here? Yeah. Do I matter? If you were in a, 
you know, why do I, and, and why am I even here anymore? Right. I don't matter anymore. So therefore, why am I here? If I'm in a relationship where I have no significance and I don't seem to matter, I don't, I'm trying to cause something, there's no impact. Okay. Well then why am I in this relationship? But the bigger piece is if I felt like that in life and I didn't feel like I mattered in life, I didn't feel like I had an impact in life. The sad outcome might be, why am I even on this earth? Mm-hmm. And so there's there's no purpose. So I wander aimlessly. Now I could do several things for that. I could turn to drugs. I could turn to frivolous behavior, uh, which I've done. I think we've all done. I could turn to suicide. There's all sorts of things that could happen there. And so to me, I go, okay, so let's go back to an ad influence back. I walk in a room and people take notice. I tell a joke, people laugh. I sell a product, people are buying. I share an idea, people love it. And I cast a vision and I watch people follow. What are the words that come to mind now? What are you feeling? Relevant, seen, purposeful, valuable, noteworthy. I'm just throwing out those stuff that comes to mind. <laughs> I think those all those are perfect. I haven't even heard some of those. For, right? I mean, people use that, but I think they perfectly match because now I feel significant. And then why do I feel significant? Because I have impact. And so to me, influence is about finding your significance in this world because and understanding the impact that you make, which can lead to a very close relative of where my purpose might be. And a lot of times the search for purpose, a great article in psychology today, I think, oh, actually, look at it right here. Find your purpose. So there's all sorts of really cool research and then I always grab to see what they're what they're saying. But there's that feeling of purpose is very action-oriented, talent-oriented. And this must be why I'm here, people will say. Well, I'm doing this, and, and look at the impact I'm having. Well, this may be why I'm here. And so I'm not saying it's the way to find purpose, but I think it's it's a really cool breadcrumb to start following. And so when it comes to influence, I think it has such a wide range of positive impact on someone's life. And I would say that I would venture to say that I think the lack of influence is one of the worst of human experiences, and having influence is one of the greatest. So... We're going to stay here for a while because, I mean, there's a whole body of work just in this this topic alone that I think is incredibly valuable from a perspective of business and from a perspective of having a quality life and and feeling you know meaning in your life. There's a book. I don't know if you've ever read this book. I'm sure we're going to drop some book bombs during this conversation because yes. we've let, read some of the same books, I'm sure, and then others that we should turn each other on to. So when I was in school, my professor recommended specifically me a book that for whatever reason he felt would resonate with me, and it did. It's called Power Versus Force. Have you ever heard of this book by Hawking's? My mother's neighbor. Hawking's is. Remember the, the Courage Scale? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to talk about. So the, the it's the calibration of energy that he, de, you know, he developed that calibration of energy scale and the lowest rung on the ladder, the closest to death is shame. Mm-hmm. And embodied or encompassed within shame is being shunned, not being seen, feeling stupid, feeling less than. I mean, what we're really talking about here when you're talking about entering that room and not being noticed is a vibration of energy that you're carrying in your body based upon your thoughts, which then trigger all kinds of emotions and chemicals in your body that become this perpetual negativity loop versus the antithesis of what you described of actually feeling relevant, which then gives you momentum and some bounce in your step. So since you've read power versus force, let's, let's just go there a little bit with it. Like, so I I guess I'll throw this question out and then go wherever you want with it, but how does one find purpose and find relevance so they can, or, or find influence? Is there a formula that you've identified to uncover? If someone's sitting here going like, man, that's me. I feel that way a lot. Yeah. How do we help them find themselves? 
Well, so if you, if you remember in the course that we did, I showed the courage scale being above the line, below the line. And mm-hmm. that, that was our rendition of his consciousness scale that was businessified, businessified, mm. if you will. Okay. Um, yeah. So he was my mother's neighbor. They were dear friends for a long time. And so he was sort of an outside mentor. And the, the, the I mean, we could go so deep on, on the, I love that you've, you've read that and twice one, i read it twice yeah. i love it's that book and man and we've got i've got three copies sitting over there in the eye of the eye and the other books that he's written um but you know in terms of purpose with the way i look at it i try to simplify it and in the sense of i think purpose there's a couple pieces on it one i think purpose there's an option there's a side of purpose it's a choice that you know i, I think a lot of people go off and they try to discover or find their purpose and instead of choosing it. And there's this thing of where I'm looking at where do I find the most energy? Where do I seem to have the biggest impact on the world? Mm-hmm. And that becomes it. And there's a power in that choice. There's a power in saying, this is why I'm here. And I think there's an empowerment that comes with that as well of saying, well, hold on a second. Like, okay, if you take a look at where you seem to have the most impact on people, and there's also a piece where, what brings you the joy? you're looking for i'm not talking about happiness i think happiness and joy are very different and there's a topic we should talk about where i don't think happiness is the goal of life but that might be an interesting we are going to talk about it because i heard you bring this up in the modern mortgage summit and i was like okay this is the one area where i'm going to challenge him but go ahead we'll, we'll get there I love don't it. Worry. And, I, and i'm open to learning yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bounce some ideas but let's keep going i don't want to break your rhythm yeah and i think that there's you know where do where do i find this joy where do i seem to have the biggest impact and to me I, the foundation for me is is around gifts, and you know if we if we want to go there, I'll, I'll 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 share with you sort of my life's purpose, if you will. And it's 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 I don't I don't think I've ever shared it on a podcast, so this is interesting. Um, yeah, I don't think I have. I don't think I really share with anybody, but it's something I've had for a long time. But it, it's it's the culmination of a lot of stories that came together, and there's one of them is around the the concept and the, the maybe it's maybe it's true maybe it's literal maybe it's theoretical or maybe it's um symbolic but that the world was created in six days and he rested the seventh right so there's a story somewhere out there that god created the world in six days and so there's this ratio of six to one but it wasn't a five to two ratio there's a six days work one day rest and part of my schooling when, when i went to school for behavioral neuroscience was also um, i got a, a, a degree also in business but most of the classes were around christ faith the management of wealth and the sort of the spiritual side of of business language which was really fascinating and the concept of okay there's another word that was found in biblical text is one of the most common words found it was the word toil the sweat of the brow hard work right there's putting effort in pressing the seed into the soil there's a lot of concept around just very hard work and even suffering in some senses right there was there was the suffering on the cross and there's all sorts of concepts mother Teresa believed that suffering was the fastest way to find god she had a 29 million dollar budget and her yet the homes in calcutta were were somewhat horrific and there's even concern that maybe thoughts and maybe that's why she's not being canonized because of the 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 fact that she didn't solve that problem but in her thought that's what it was so the concept of work and saying okay excuse me so i knew that work was a very important part of the spiritual reason for being here on earth so then what about it okay so then the story of the talents showed up in all four gospels and the 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 quick jim Rohn version of the of the gospel which i think he was always really good at, at doing that and and by the way i i'm not of any particular faith in 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 that i think that there's truth to be found in so many different 
books. And in fact, there's one book um, called Oneness. And on the back of that book, it said um, a quote from the Dalai Lama. And of course, now he's sucking kids' tongues. But the, the Dalai Lama is saying that every major religion of the world has one common goal, which is to make all their followers better people. And so I, I like that idea. So there's a lot to be found from, you know, pulling from a lot of different tr um, truths. But the book was took different concept, concepts and found the same language in all the different texts, which to me says, okay, there's some truth to be found in all of that. But the, the, the story of the talents was simple. God comes down, gives one guy one talent, another guy three talents, another guy five. Says, go off and prosper, do something with these. Comes back to the person, he said, I give you five, what'd you do? And the guy says, I turn them into 10. God says, high five, that was awesome. And person three, what'd you do? He said, well, I turned him into six. I said, that's my boy. Good. High five. Everything's good. And the one that says they gave him one, what'd you do? He says, I nothing. I hit it. I buried it. And it was sad that God lost his mind. He was one of the most upset, angry that he's been. And for me, what that meant was that we're all given a talent of some sort, or maybe multiple talents. And our job is to use those talents. So here we've got hard work and talent. And so then I go, okay, <clears throat> there's another study I learned from Jack Canfield or Mark. No, it was Jack Canfield. Who's his partner? Remember him? That wrote, um, Chicken uh, Soup for the Soul, Mark Victor yeah. Hansen. Mark, was it Mark Victor Hansen, the one that wrote uh, uh, around the book, the Franklin, the Franklin side of Cubby? Um, he was the. Don't remember. Uh, he, he, yeah. So, man, it was the, the first things first guy. Um, anyways, but he told a story and he shared a study that was done, I think it was out of Connecticut, 2,700 uh, near-death experiences. And in those near-death experiences, they, they interviewed people that died and then came back, and they wanted to find if there were any commonalities. And what they found were there were several commonalities. One, they all saw a light. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, when you study psychology and things like that, it makes you skeptical of all this stuff, that maybe there's something they kind of talk about a part of the brain that lights up. Mm -hmm. and, um, but they all saw a light. And they also said they were approached by loved ones that have passed. But the common piece was that they were also asked two questions that seemed to come up over and over and over again. And those two questions I have sat with for over 30 some years. And they seemed to find, they seemed to be an answer to almost anything in life for me. And the first one was, did you gain knowledge? And I, and I look at every hardship that I've ever had. And I'm like, did I learn something? Did I, did I gain knowledge from that? Somebody stabbed me in the back. Well, did I, and did I, did I gain something from this? And this is not a new idea. <clears throat> But God, what a powerful way to look at life, to say, did I, did I gain knowledge? And the second one, did I expand my capacity to love? And so the word capacity to love, the capacity was, I thought was interesting. It wasn't about loving when things were easy. It's easy to love when things are easy. Super easy. But with the capacity to love, then I could get into the concept of grace, the unmerited favor, unmerited love, unmerited favor of God. So, I, so if somebody doesn't deserve it, and I still can find a way to love them. That's like the weight room for love. Going to the gym and putting extra plates on. It's hard to move. It's hard to do. It's inconvenient. They don't deserve it. But man, that, that unmerited favor, maybe grace and maybe the, the expanding my capacity to love during the most difficult times while I'm gaining knowledge. And so then I go, okay, so maybe my purpose is to utilize the gifts that God, God has given me and to expand my capacity to love and to, to gain knowledge, expand my capacity to love, utilizing the gifts that God has given me in furthering his creation every day. And so that to me is sort of the, how I look at it. That's a beautiful synopsis. Um, I especially really appreciate 
the combination of the two, the gaining of the knowledge and expanding the capacity of love, because sometimes I believe that within within a circumstance, within every circumstance, there's always something to learn if we choose to be curious. Curious is one of my favorite words in the English mm -hmm. language. I think it's a an incredible um, quality um, archetype of your personality that that is oftentimes laying dormant. I mean, when we're kids, we're very curious. That's the way we learn and grow so much. We can really? become become very stagnant and and um, righteous as we get older uh, and invested in our egoic perspective. So, you know, if somebody's doing something to you and it hurts, there's an opportunity for both of those situations right there. What can I learn about myself in this situation? What can I learn about another human being and their suffering and what they might be going through? And how can I expand my capacity for love? The There's always, I find, Renee, there's a People, there are a lot of people that I encounter, and I'm sure that you do as well, that are, uh, you know, in, in their worst of scenarios, steeped in a victim archetype, which is a very challenging yeah. archetype to get out of. I think one of yeah. the most challenging components of the human experience is when you are in that victim archetype. And then there are people that are just, maybe they're not victims, or or maybe they're just slightly a victim, but they're kind of lost and don't know where to go to find purpose. And I'd love to get your take on this, but what I'll share with you is that, um, so, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of different people that I've studied on this topic of like Joseph Campbell, finding your bliss or uh, Sir Ken Robinson about finding your element um, as an example. And what I, what I believe to be true is it's an inward journey. So those that are, challenged of finding their gifts and finding their purpose. Ken Robinson used a, a great metaphor. He said that finding your gift, finding your element, as he puts it, is like digging for natural resources in the ground. They're there, but you have to dig for them. They may not be on the yeah. surface of the earth. You have to go inward and ask yourself these critical, curious questions about like, what am I here to do? What lights me up? You mentioned that earlier. I think to check inside with oneself and to feel in our body what the energetic experience is when you're engaged in something is an incredibly important process versus playing solely out on the the mental level because people yeah. are always searching on the mental level for what am i meant to do what is my purpose what are my gifts and you have to go inward i find to really yeah. find that what are your thoughts on that i agree 100 percent. the 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 toughest questions are the ones that you can answer without ego. And I was, I was talking to somebody about this and, and I was saying, can you sit in the mirror? Can you sit down and answer yourself some tough questions? Like even was, was I good today? And answer that question without ego. Did I do good today? Was I the best I could have been? Did I fully prepare? Um, am I ready? Am I the person that has earned this yet? Do I have more work to do? Is is there? Do, what can I learn here? Those those questions without the without the ego stopping in the process. I mean, I, and one of the things I, I I hear so many good things, and I, I get so jealous every time I hear them is the processes that you take people through, and people that typically don't stop to to ask the tough questions, very transactional based, typical businesses, and going back and saying, well, let's go back and answer some of these really difficult questions. One of my mentors always asked me, he says, you know, what's the leader that people expect from you? What's the leader that people expect when you walk in a room? 
And that's a hard question because it requires me to be really honest. And sometimes I don't like the answer. I'm like, God, you know, there's been times in my life when I've been the know-it-all. And I'm like, and, I, and to be able to, to say that out loud going, shit, I think they expect the guy that thinks he knows it all. Oh, that's not fun because it's not who I want to be. But then I got to go into, okay, well, well, where does that come from? Okay, well, if I, if I think I'm the know-it-all, then that means that I'm not open to something new. Well, what am I scared of? Mm, there we go. Okay, well, what am I scared of? And saying, okay, well, it's, if, I, if, I, if I'm the know-it-all and I, I'm not open to something new, maybe I'm scared of not being enough. Mm. Well, am I a fraud? You know, so there's this question. Just starts well, going, hey, oh, you be kid. careful of that rabbit hole, bro. You end up down yeah. deep in there judging the hell out of yourself. But, but yes, I think that the the question, that one question that you asked was so powerful. Like, what am I, you said, what am I scared of? Or what is yeah. my fear? Yeah. So they go, fear drives a lot <laughs> of our personality constructs, you know, and, 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 and oftentimes it's again, back to what we we're talking about, like fear of not being enough, fear of not you know, being seen, fair of not being liked. And then we develop these structures, these strategies within our personality structure to get, to, to make ourselves feel safe and protected. But then at some point in time in our life, we'll be like, oh shit, this isn't working for me anymore. This, this yeah. strategy has a lot of dysfunction associated with it. So how did you uncover, well, what is your purpose and how did you identify it? Well, I think, it, well, part of those, those, what I'd shared with you is the journey of asking those questions and really asking, what am I good at? Where do I find joy? What, what are the things that truly drive me? Where do I have the biggest impact? And then saying, okay, there's a vision too of like, who am I drawn to? Because there's that, I think is a big piece of it. Because I'm always trying to find clues and, and wanting people to, to find clues. Who are you drawn to? Who do the people that you look up to? And then describe them. And then what's the delta between you and them? And there's there's something there. Who who are they and why? And to me, the the the, the process of saying, okay, I had to deal with a lot of voices, right? In terms of the voices that said I wasn't gonna do something, I shouldn't do this, I'm not big enough, and I can't. And and it's the, the challenge with this conversation <clears throat> is that it sounds so cliche because you know, I've got the inner voices. I think everybody does. And but I can really share my journey. I, I had from an early childhood, all sorts of reasons why I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing and all sorts of voices and experiences that proved, <laughs> you know, if I allowed to narrate it that way. And there was that narrative was, was very live and real for a long time that I wasn't good enough. And one of those probably comes from not knowing my dad. And so, okay, so obviously now we know the role of the father and how critical that is in, in those time periods. And not knowing that and saying, okay, well, the, the, the human spirit is going to search for that answer at some place. It should have gotten it from dad, but it didn't. So then it goes on a search. And I went to coaches. I went to my, my parents, uh, my friend's parents. I went to, um, as I got older, business partners, uh, older clients, searching for that validation and i didn't get it for a long time and i started realizing that and this is not something I, it was an easy journey clearly and i can tell you all the million crazy therapies my mother put me through from holotropic breath work to immersions to primal screaming to healing ceremonies sun dances that you name it 
Est and Landmark. And I mean, there's, you name it. My mother was in the center of all that stuff. And me as a kid growing up through that, oh, well, you probably got to put you in this. And as crazy as it was, it, it did give me a lot of different ways to look inside. And, but that process of looking internally and saying, okay, well, and I, and, 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 and to be quite honest, I don't know if I've even quieted the voices. I think I just don't believe them anymore because they're still there. I think I've gotten to the place where I've had to say, I have to look at the external experience on some of this instead of the inner voice that's telling me this. And, you know, I think they've shifted too, because I, you know, I can go with, okay, so I've conquered some of them around, you know, let's say being on a stage. Okay. So there's, I don't really have any voices of doubt on that piece or, but then there's, you know, there's a whole financial side to things too, which I think I'm probably still wrestling with. Yeah. Do I do well? I do, yeah. Okay. I do pretty well, but not where I could be or should be or where I really need to be. And so then I'm like, okay, what is that old tape? What's playing there? You know, growing up, you know, with a mother who's a nun and, you know, we didn't care about money and shit. And if I want validation, what better way to get validated and to do something for free for you? Right. Cause I can give you all this value and I can do it for free. Cause why would I ask for money? And I mean, there's, there's all sorts of crazy pieces. And I think that I don't know if that journey ever stops in some ways. Um, some people, maybe they do. And they found that top of the scale of enlightenment. I'm not there for sure. But, um, I think it's, it's one of those that is continual search for me at least. And conversations like this where, man, I got to ask myself questions that I, I, I don't want to ask myself, but man, there's always something really good on the other side of it, but it's painful through it. Yeah. Or, or I mean, yes, it can be painful. Um, and it can also be, if you, you know, if you evoke curiosity, it could be, it could be a process of, you know, it doesn't have to be painful. I think it depends upon the frame. And I know that you big believe big, you know, believe very much in frame and, I think you you said some things that I want to just drill down on a little bit more, maybe even ask you a question about. So these tapes, right, that you're playing, that we all play in our head, you know, what I have studied, and if you want to comment on this in a moment, feel free to, because you've probably done even more studying on it than I have, is that the mind seeks to prove itself accurate. So whatever story we're telling ourselves, we're projecting that out onto the world, and we're literally on a subconscious level looking for proof of yeah. the story that we're telling. Conversely, there's a really interesting thing that you hit on, which is in looking at people that you admire. So I once had it explained to me my by my professor this way is that you know in, in psychology, which I know you've studied a lot of, there's projections, but then there's positive projections. So when when you see something in somebody that you admire and revere, what's actually happening there is that you are recognizing that part of you that exists that is that way on a subconscious yeah. level. You're seeing your own beauty in the mirror. It's just that you haven't owned it yet. Well, hello friends, and I hope that you're enjoying this episode of the 360 Experience Podcast. To listen to the remainder of this episode, please visit us at The Loan Atlas, where you will also find the most comprehensive resource for mortgage professionals to build their practice, backed by the greatest faculty that's ever been assembled in the mortgage industry. Check us out at the link below or go to theloanatlas.com. Look forward to having you as a guest on our next episode of the 360 Experience Podcast.